You're listening to ReachMD XM157, and this month's special series, Focus on Children's Health. Although breast milk is the ideal source of nutrition for children under 12 months, most babies receive infant formula at some point in the first year. With dozens of formulas available on the market, choosing a formula can be confusing for parents, not to mention for physicians. What are the latest recommendations regarding infant formulas? How does infant formula compare with breast milk? And how do physicians decide what formula is best for a patient? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu, a practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Jatinder Bhatia, a professor and chair of neonatology at the Medical College of Georgia and a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Committee on Nutrition. Welcome, Dr. Bhatia. Thank you. Today we're discussing what physicians need to know about infant formulas. Would you please give us a breakdown of the main types or categories of infant formula? Unfortunately, there are too many of them. We've basically got the cow milk-based formulas, soy formulas, and then the what they call the hydrolyzed and partially hydrolyzed formulas. It basically means that the protein is chopped up, if you will, to make it, quote-unquote, more digestible, maybe, and the old word was less hypoallergenic, although there is no such thing as a totally hypoallergenic formula. But having said that, You already mentioned at the opening of the broadcast that breast milk is the best way to go and that is appropriate. However, if a mother cannot or there are contraindications to breast milk, which we can discuss in a minute, then the appropriate formula should be a cow milk-based formula. And currently what you have in the United States are appropriate cow milk-based formulas which will provide all the nutrients needed, macro and micro, for a growing infant. If a mother chooses a vegetarian diet strictly or the baby has galactosemia, in which case you want to avoid lactose, then you would go to a soy-based formulas because they're made with sucrose. If there's a family history, either siblings or parents, of allergies, and then at least to, to reduce some allergic phenomena in the first few years of life, one may choose a partially hydrolyzed formula, and there are important studies being have done in, in Europe which actually show that this approach works. So if you have, for example, in this country is not that common, HIV, hepatitis, active tuberculosis, you would not choose to breastfeed. You would then choose one of the alternatives. You first mentioned that cow's milk-based formula should be the first choice. There are many brands of cow's milk-based formulas. Are the levels of nutrients the same in all of them? For the term baby, they're very, very similar. There may be some changes in the fat blend. There may be some changes in the amount of carbohydrate. But for the most part, they're very similar. What they differ now is the amount of the long-chain fatty acids, which has been an issue of controversy over time the last few years, but a lot of intense research. But for the most part, yes, they're very similar. Is there anything different enough in some of the brands that would make one better than another? I'll paraphrase this, and this is my opinion, not as a American Academy of Pediatric Committee on Nutrition because we haven't tackled it officially. For example, the whole issue of DHA and ARA, the long-chain docosahexaenoic and arachidonic acid addition to formulas. It's present in breast milk, but even in breast milk, there's a lot of variation, so that raises the issue that should a breastfeeding mother supplement her diet with these fatty acids or increase a fish intake, as has been suggested for all Americans, because men and women included, our fish intake has reduced even now more so after the mercury scare, and as a population, we don't consume enough fish for our fish health, if you will. If you take formulas, there are differing concentrations, and within them, what you can sort of classify the studies as follows. 
There have been studies that have shown benefit. There have been studies that have no benefit or neutral. Uh, but no studies that I'm aware of for term baby that show harm. So if you feel that this is an addition that is useful, then the question is how much should be added and go with the positive. But we, there's no study that shows negative. Now, do all formulas on the market now include DHA and ARA? They do. You always have to go out of your way to try and find a formula which does not have DHA or ARA in it, including the store brand formulas. Okay. Now, getting back to the cow's milk-based formula, what percentage of babies would you expect to be able to tolerate that okay? The actual incidence of cow milk protein allergy is quite low. It's less than 3 to 5%, and yet the amount of hype about cow milk protein allergy is very high. The most common denominator is a parent calls a office and says, my baby is fussy or colicky, and as soon as you hear that, depending on the education of the person asking the phone, oh, he may have protein allergy, switch to soy. It's a very common thing that was done in the 70s and maybe 80s. It's a common thing that's answered. That's what we see when we see families back in our clinics. So you switch off without even going through an objective measure, do you really have it? And soy is not necessarily a hypoallergenic formula. So the actual incidence of common protein allergy is quite low. And yet, the use of soy infant formulas in the United States is quite high. Would you recommend that a physician perform any type of tests before switching? There are certain things that can be used, failure to gain weight, blood in the stool, rashes that appear after you're feeding cow milk protein formulas that the physician can diagnose and eliminate it if he wants to and then prove that the baby has it because you're really condemning a child, if you will, to a diet that is difficult to maintain because cow milk is present in so many products. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu. Our guest is Dr. Jatinder Bhatia from the AAP Committee on Nutrition. We're discussing what physicians need to know about infant formulas. So you're talking about looking for some symptoms of not tolerating a formula. Is there ever a time that you would switch from a cow's milk base, say, to a hydrolyzed or partially hydrolyzed for a trial basis and then switch back to the cow's milk? You can't do that if you're trying to eliminate cow milk protein allergy, or you can do that if you have a family history, in which case if you cannot breastfeed, which would be the ideal thing, then you can switch to a hydrolysate and then later on see if, because a lot of times... Babies can be intolerant for a period of time. Then you switch back, everything looks fine. This is not an uncommon phenomena that is seen. Not all of these are allergies. It could be intolerance for periods of time. So if you're intolerant, that doesn't mean you're allergic. They're almost taken synonymously sometimes. Okay, so what trial period might be reasonable? Two weeks to a month. And this happens quite commonly in mothers who are frustrated with the infant being colicky. They try keep switching brands, and finally they switch brands, and time goes away. The baby's now older, colic goes away, and the last formula they're on gets the credit for curing the child. But you're saying it's reasonable to switch back to the cow's milk base after those symptoms disappear. Right, at least a trial. You mentioned that soy formula might be a choice for families who are vegetarian or patients with galactosemia. Are there any other maybe health indications for soy formula? Not at the current time. These are the only two indications that I can come up with. In fact, the Academy just released a statement of the May issue of pediatrics, went through a rather lengthy process of going through all these issues you've just mentioned, and truly the only two stick out is a family preference or galactosemia are the truly the only two indications. Now, it may be, for example, you have diarrhea, bad enough to have transient lactose intolerance. You have one of two choices. 
you can stay with the same family of formulas you were on with a reduced lactose content, or you can switch to a soy formula for a period of time, then switch back. We didn't have the choice before. We do have the choice now. In other words, if you're on a caramel formula, you get diarrhea, you become lactose intolerant for a period of time, you can switch to same brand, reduce lactose, and then switch back to the original brand after a while. Maintain the cow's milk protein, but change the carbohydrate. That's a choice we now have, which we didn't have last decade. Now, regarding soy formulas, are there any harmful effects? I've had patients ask me about phytoestrogens in the soy. I participated in a big panel. It took almost a year. The report came out last year. Soy protein, as is fed in infant formulas, there is no evidence to date to show that it's harmful. Now, if you take individual components of soy protein, feed in excess to rats, for example, yes, there are harmful effects. But we've had a natural experiment of soy going on for centuries in the human population. And so far, the soy infant formula, the way it is produced and protein given, there are no side effects that have been described. Now, there's a transient effect. Maybe it may interfere with your thyroid screening test, but that's a, such a small population. But in answer to your full question, answer is no. Physicians may get questions from parents who would like to choose organic formulas and baby foods for their children. What are your thoughts on organic products? If you want to use organic because you believe that it's healthy for you and your family and you can afford it, you can switch to organic. If you're doing it because you believe it's healthier and safer, the answer is no. There's no evidence for that. As a matter of fact, truly, there's no such thing as a truly organic formula because we're adding, for example, if you add DHA and ARA into organic formula, that DHA and ARA is produced chemically. But if you believe in it, there's nothing wrong with it. It just adds to expense. And you know very well that organic foods are much more expensive. And there is a demand. I know I was in the Midwest giving a lot of lectures, a lot of demand from families wanting organic formula, and that's why industry has responded by producing organic formula. I have no idea whether the sales are up or down or even, but it's there. For parents who choose an organic formula, are they similar in protein, fat, and carbohydrate content? They are. The only difference, the one I'm aware of, is that one of the industry uses a sucrose base. Sucrose is the sweetest sugar you can get. And babies discriminate between sugars. They, they like the sweeter formula. But sucrose has been around in infant formulas for 10, 30, 40, 50 years because that's what the sugar used in soy formulas is. So the safety issue of sucrose is not in question. The amount of sucrose added, it comes up to the same carbohydrate content. So it's a misconception that if you use sucrose, you're going to have an effect on teeth or on obesity That may be if you eat too much of any formula because carbohydrate is carbohydrate. The caloric content is the same. Now, switching gears to preterm babies who are on infant formula, do you use a formula with a higher calorie? And if so, how long do you continue that? Generally speaking, if the baby is inside an intensive care unit, we use a higher protein, higher calorie formula, which is usually a 80 to 81 calories per deciliter formula, or commonly used language, 24 calories per ounce. And you use that until the baby crosses into, say, 2,000 grams plus, at which time, as you're getting ready to go home, you transition to a 22-calorie or a transition formula, which has, still has a higher protein content, still has a higher energy content than regular term formulas, but more importantly, it has calcium phosphorus content that will satisfy the growth needs of that premature baby who is still not term. It's recommended that these formulas be made available for up to six to nine months, and there's good evidence to show there's a benefit, especially in terms of 
length and weight, but not necessarily head circumference. However, in practicality, it's often difficult to do. So we try to achieve at least three to six months off it. And then you can switch to a term formula. The most common thing that I see that happens is these babies are leaving the nurseries at lower and lower weights and immediately are switched to term infant formulas, which cannot satisfy their needs. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jatinder Bhatia. We've been discussing what physicians need to know about infant formulas. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD-XM-157 presents a special series focused on children's health. To download podcasts of this series, visit us at reachmd.com.